Welcome everyone to today's ILTA podcast entitled Data, the Next Great Lake. I'm your moderator today, Tracy Pardo, IS Improvement and Reporting Analyst with Cooley LLP, and I'm pleased to be joined by my colleague today, Stephen Heathcock, Data Strategy Manager at Cooley as well. Welcome, Stephen. Thank you. Uh, with that, let's dive into our first question. What is a data lake? Well, you know, I've been working with that phrase for years, and I, I wasn't actually sure when you first approached me about this. So I went and I Googled it, and I kind of took note of some of the big answers, and I actually noted how the, the big companies uh, define a data lake, as well as how Wikipedia defines a data lake. And at first, to start with the, the big companies, we'll start with Amazon. They call it a centralized repository that allows you to store all your structured and unstructured data at any scale, which makes a lot of sense. Uh, good basic definition. Google is a little bit uh, more verbose, but similar. A data lake is a centralized repository designed to store, process, and secure large amounts of structured, semi-structured, non-structured data uh, in its native format and ignoring size limits, which is a slightly wordier but similar uh, version than Amazon's. But Wikipedia is a little bit different, and I think it's interesting. They call it a data lake as a system or repository of data stored in its natural or raw format, usually object blobs or files. And what's interesting about Wikipedia is it's a little bit different because it doesn't just call it a repository, it calls it a system or repository. And a system, if you go look that up, I'm big on definitions, is it's a set of principles or procedures according to which something is done. So the point is you don't really need a container or a repository, you just need a set of methods that act as a virtual container, which we also call data virtualization. And that's actually what we're going for here at Cooley. We wanted to define our lake conceptually as everything we have and focus not on a container to store it all and clean it for a fast retrieval, but on ways to retrieve it where it is as quickly as possible. Great, that sounds like a, that's, that's an awesome answer. Um, next question, what are the advantages of using a data lake? You know, firms naturally want to get as much value out of their data as they can, and they make a big investment in powerful tools like cubes and CRMs like Salesforce, BI platforms, search engines, and the like. You know, but the solutions uh, are costly to build, they're costly to expand, and as a result, they generally can't keep up with the relentless appetite of our data consumers. And that means that even after we commit all that investment to all those systems, a large part of our data will still not be reachable or not as reachable as, as our consumers would like. And, and not only that, we can't even really know if we're keeping up with the growth in both the data and the ways people want to use it. And if we're not keeping up, then we have an ever-expanding information gap, which is kind of concerning. And so if you build a good data lake, you've potentially, you've potentially found a way to bridge that gap. All right, next question. How do data lakes differ from traditional data warehouses? Well, that's a good question too. I mean, a lot of these things I did have to research because you work in the field for so long and get used to these kind of blurs. And, and, and that was an interesting uh, takeaway too from, from this podcast as I got ready for it because I kind of sharpened the, the, my understanding of the difference, which is that with a data warehouse, you're kind of designing your data world in advance. You're building tables, you're designing structures, you're building schemas. You're creating integrations into them. You're plugging them into systems. And, and it, essentially, you're building what's the equivalent of like a heavy rail system if it were a city, right? This is like 
where I, I live in the Bay Area, we have BART. This is our BART data warehouse. But and, and these work great for all your scheduled data flows, all the commuters that go on BART that are going to the city every day, all the things you do normally, transmitting clients and metadata between your systems, all the stuff that you, you know is important, it, it's great for those. It doesn't work great. Data warehouses don't work so great for the weird queries that people come up with. The new and interesting queries that people are always dreaming up, things like where they want to look at multiple systems in combination to figure out the answer to very one, one very specific question. We have an attorney, for example, who does um, salary recommendations for startups, and he has to know all kinds of things when he gets that question, when he provides that advice to the startup. You know, what's the market in that, in that startup area for salaries? How much capital does a startup have to spend? What was the employment history of the person looking for the job, et cetera? This is a really multifaceted question that no traditional warehouse would be good at answering because it'll be different every time. So with a data lake, the questions like that can be answered more easily because it doesn't require all that pre-construction that the data warehouse does. In other words, it's more likely to keep up with the, the nonstop curiosity of our information seekers. And that doesn't mean you're not off, you're off the hook on construction. You still have to build something. But once you've built that thing, it's more scalable and more flexible because both of those features were actually built into its core design. Great. Next question. Why could a firm, why would a firm invest in a data lake? Yeah, it's, a, it's another great question. And it's one that we've grappled with here at Cooley. And I think, you know, a lot of it depends, again, on, on how you define that lake. If you define it as a big container or a big system, something that you go out and work with a vendor to, to, to build, then, you know, that, that, that could be the right way for you. You know, I have a different definition. I like a, I'm a more of a kind of a open standards kind of a person. I want that system to, to be a set of rules and processes. So it's more like Wikipedia's definition. And so my question really would be, is how can you get more out of the data lake you already have? Because I think by the definition, we already have a data lake. We're just trying to mine it. We're trying to, to get value out of it. You know, we, for example, have a ginormous document management system. We have, I've heard, one of the largest document systems in, in our space, hundreds of millions of documents. And we have a good search engine that works for it. And, and it does great keyword searches and it's very reliable. I use it all the time, find all my old documents from the past. But the thing is, our attorneys want more analysis of that document system. They want to do more than just simple keyword searches, like that question I mentioned earlier. So that's what's important for us. For each firm, I would say that the answer depends on whether or not there's a sense by the data consumers that they are getting all the value that they need. And if you sense from your consumers that they're not getting all the value that they need, then that means every obstacle in their way is a small but ever going tax on their productivity and a lake may be the right solution to kind of ease that tax and to get more value for your attorneys. Wonderful. Next question. What would it take to build a data lake? I mean, again, it just kind of depends on, on what direction you go and do you go on one of these containerized approaches with a big a vendor to help you or, or do you kind of go after something where you're addressing your, your lake as everything you have conceptually and, and, and that's, you know, one of the first things to kind of understand which direction do you want to go and what's your goal. I mean, I, I think for us and, and another another thing when you're when you're trying to decide what it will take is you know, what do you want to start with do you, do you, you how can you get people interested in what you're doing and see the value and so they want to help participate in it and, and you can get more enthusiasm out of this project firm wide uh, and, and, and obviously you want, you want to make sure that that whole solution is going to scale all the way to the end of your dreams about what it can be. You don't want your lake to sort of, in my opinion, you don't want your lake to sort of end halfway and then stop because it says, well, 
the rest of that stuff's too hard for what my lake is. We want, I want that lake to be all inclusive. And so, you know, you, you have to kind of make that choice. And then once you've kind of figured out that direction, you kind of need to look at your staff and see if you can find an internal team that's got the time and the interest to lead that effort. You want to build either a big team if you want to kind of shape that lake yourself and make it conform to what you're doing. Or if you don't really have that kind of muscle, you can always outsource a lot of that work to a big partner vendor. And, and then you kind of work with them to find what they've got and how you can carve it into what works for you. I like things that fit exactly to what I want. And so I sort of like the homegrown approach with a big internal team. But every firm has their own choice to make in that area. And then, you know, then and finally, I'll just say there's, there's the on-prem versus cloud thing. I mean, the, the whole, all of our data is slowly moving to the cloud. It's moving to uh, these cloud containers in SharePoint and uh, Latera, big vendor in our space, has got a lot of cloud offerings for us, and, and they keep coming. Uh, work, workday, Workfront, all these systems we're using at Cooley all have some cloud component to them. And, and you have to decide how that fits your cloud strategy, you know. You can build it on your own service if you have the time and staffing for that. And we're trying to do some version of the middle. Um, we're, what we're trying to do is build a cloud-based virtualization platform, but we're trying to leave our data, our conceptual lake that is on-premise where it is, or in some cloud where it is. But we don't want to build a new cloud with more data on it. We want to build a virtualization tool that collects all these cloud, these, these data sources from on-premise and cloud locations in real time, and then discards them after the, the query is over. That's one of many ways to do it, but every firm has to kind of decide what the shape of that lake, where the cloud, where the data will live in the cloud or on premise, will it live in a container or not, is it, it, how it conforms with their culture and their goals, and then they can kind of make a choice uh, on, on what they want to do to, to get that process started. All right, last question. What tools would be needed to create the lake, and are there any best practices? Again, I'm sorry to sound so fuzzy, but it, it's just such an open, it's such an open phrase. And the tools are nearly limitless. You can do it so many different ways. It really depends, again, on the firm's core culture. And it also depends on the systems they have in place today. We have a lot of, you know, large cloud systems that we work with. So, you know, it's a bigger challenge for us. If you're largely an on-premise firm with on-premise data, I think there are some different choices available to you. And maybe a, an internal container would be best for you. Uh, since we have such a robust and diverse technology ecosystem here, and because our IS staff are so busy servicing it, uh, our approach with our team to building this lake is to fly over all that and work with a conceptual approach with a small core team and with existing vendors who are familiar with our very unique and complex landscape. And in a sense, we're kind of treating our people and our vendors as a process lake, much in the way you would treat your data and trying to fly above all that and look at how to knit them together uh, using a, a more a lightweight approach. We, we like this approach because even though it's not a big formal project like some firms are doing, it's more lightweight, it's agile, it's a little stealth. I mean, it kind of reminds me of when Java was invented. I heard, I heard that um, when, when Java was invented, they stuck four programmers in a building somewhere and, and had them work alone for two years without talking to anybody. We're not going that stealth, but we're trying to kind of keep out of um, getting a lot of groups involved in a lot of discussions and instead kind of asking them lightly and in a more targeted way what they're looking for and what they need and, and kind of observing what they're doing so we can build a lake that's almost an abstraction of all that and, and, and can be more lightweight by design. And I'll, hopefully that allows us to sort of see what's popping in that effort and where we're seeing some value we can then kind of 
save our powder and lean heavy into those areas with increased investment to get even more ROI out of our initiative. Wonderful. Those were all great, great answers, Stephen. Appreciate it. Thank you very much for your time today. And thank you to the audience who will soon be tuning in to listen. We hope you enjoy and have a wonderful day. Bye,